So it's been a little while since I've done an episode uh, on photography. Uh, For those of you who have been with the show for a while since season one, uh, and even some season two, we've done uh, episodes with other photographers. And uh, if you understand where I come from, where my career started, uh, photography was a big part of my life. Photography was kind of the way in for me, at least into the commercial world and into becoming a, a young cinematographer and then making my way into becoming a music video director. It was all from photographs. It was from uh, taking that time and learning how to use a camera, learning how to uh, convince a subject to open up to me in front of my camera. And I was incredibly passionate about it for for a long time. Uh, It was the thing that I would fill my time with when I wasn't doing movies. It was the thing I would go to to try try out ideas and to really sort of get lost in like a fun, creative, Uh, outlet and I don't know what happened I think there hit a point with me where I had to make a decision I was told that I needed to make a decision when I was doing commercials that I had to decide whether or not I was going to be shooting commercials or if I was going to be directing commercials and that was something that I was told by multiple people production companies that were repping me Um, so I had to make the choice and my my goal is always and I tell you guys this all the time on the show directing is first This podcast is second, everything else is second. For me, it's all about telling stories and being a director on set. And so I had to sort of step away from shooting the stuff that we were doing. I stopped shooting the music videos, I stopped shooting the commercials, and I really focused heavily on directing, which I needed to do because directing in itself is such a a daunting task. But part of that was me walking away from photography And I got to live vicariously through Gina, who does a bunch of really great stuff. And I get to see her advancing her photography career. Um, But I just, I don't know what happened, man. I I hit a point where I'm like, I don't even want to pick up a camera anymore. And this has been going on for years for me. Um, And what I try to do with this show is understand how people survive and how, how people last and and stick with these things, but also try to rekindle my love for these things and remember why it is I love these things. And so today's episode's an interesting one. Today we uh, sit down and we talk with two amazing photographers, the photography duo Herring and Herring, and we talk about the origins of the name and where the name comes from. One would think that it was two brothers, but it's not. (laughs) I actually love the origin of their name for this. Um, And uh, both of these photographers, this creative duo, have been working for over 12 years. And they've shot some amazing celebrities. They've uh, worked with Beyonce. They've worked with Oprah. They've worked with uh, Seal. They've worked with amazing folks. They started as uh, fashion photographers and slowly made their way into being celebrity photographers, which then slowly made their way into becoming music video directors. Um, So they they share with us a lot on this episode. They talk about the path of their career. Now, I know that there's a lot of young photographers out there. I know that there's a lot of Instagram influencers that want to be photographers out there that are listening to the show. And it's like, what is the steps? What is the formula that I need to do? I should go out and get myself an agent, right? I should go out and get management. I should uh, try to uh, build a brand for myself and sell myself as a brand. 
Well, I hate to break it to you, but very similar to the movie industry, the photography industry doesn't have a set path, doesn't have a set, set of rules. I think that the only thing that you can fall back on and rely on is do the work. Physically shoot, physically make great content. Because at the end of the day, that content is going to represent you. But I know a lot of you guys out there and girls out there are like, we do great content and no one wants to fucking hire us. And why is that a thing? Well, the truth is, is that we all have to think creatively on how to break into the industry and how to break through. And there's a, a bunch of different ways to do that. Uh, if you are like I was when I started, where I started to look back at the people that came before me and went, okay, look, if I follow this specific set of rules that this person did, if I make sure I have a large crew around me and I have a business that's gonna be able to support this thing, then the business and the work will come. Not necessarily, not necessarily. And I think when you hear the conversation that I have uh, with Dimitri and Jesper on today's show, you're going to think a little bit differently about it. Think a little bit differently about how a career path can be blazed out. And at the end of the day, it isn't about doing what has been done before. It isn't about finding the agent. It isn't about finding the people that are going to sell your work. It's about being conscious and aware at how to put your work out there in innovative and interesting new ways. Being conscious and aware of who you're putting in front of your camera and understanding why it is people look at images, right? There's a big part of all that stuff that we talk about in this episode. It's a good one. So uh, those of you coming in who have been like, Mike, where the fuck are the photography episodes? Well, you're welcome. <laughs> I just finished. I just finished talking to the two guys. Talked for over two hours. Uh, you'll hear we had some technical difficulties that happened in the middle of the episode. I'm going to have to find a new remote recording uh, setup. Because Zencaster, you have... Mm, I want to say you've fucked me for the last time. But we're, we're almost there. Okay? Like, I'm going to write you guys an email today. Fix your shit. When you, when you do an update, it's supposed to improve things. It's not supposed to suddenly end my episode. Right? Uh, the challenges of doing things remotely. Soon, everybody. Soon. The rumors are May, right? Vaccines are being spread around, which is solid, which is great. Soon, I will have people back here in front of my microphones instead of having to do this over the internet. I cannot fucking wait to be in the room with folks again. Um, so, yeah, bear with the technical issues. And if Liam does his job right, you guys won't even notice. But I always have to do an apology at the beginning because it pisses me the fuck off. Um, but other than that, things are going well. A uh, bunch of the episodes have been uh, kicking ass. We did... Uh, that great vinyl episode with uh, Alex Rodriguez and uh, about the vinyl safari, about the record safari movie. And I, we have a ton of new listeners to the show that are vinyl fans, that are music fans. Stick around. You guys are going to like this episode because we get into some interesting stories about Metallica. We get into some interesting stories about Beyonce. Uh, there's a lot of really fun stuff on this show. So... Uh, stick around. Um, let me not draw it out any further. You know the deal. You've already got on those noise-canceling headphones. Uh, crank them up to 11. Put that noise-canceling on high, right? Cut out all that background noise. Uh, you probably want to grab a pen and piece of paper if you're trying to get into the photography business because there's a lot to learn on today's episode. So 
sit back, relax, and learn something new on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. guys thanks for being on the show thank you for having us yeah thank you so much i am pumped to have the both of you here i it's been a while since we've done a solid photography episode and uh i think i stumbled across your work through instagram and so i was going through your stuff and i was like oh rad okay these guys would be cool to talk to and and i'm happy you guys said yes yeah thank you so much um so let's let's start from the beginning here and talk about how the two of you, like, what is Herring and Herring? How did you two become this entity? What is it? Yeah, uh, we're still trying to figure out what exactly we are. Um, but the way that we got together um, was uh, basically we met on a project. Jesper um, was working on a project and he was uh, shooting it and he was looking for an art director. Um, we connected on this project and started meeting up talking about you know whatever collaborating on it and the project wound up actually not working out but we just you know we were just going out for drinks and for dinners and it just really enjoyed each other's company and had a you know kind of shared a very similar sense of humor um and just yeah liked each other and then um once the project fell through jesper was looking to do some editorial work and he said you know he asked me would you want to art direct um a shoot and i said sure and so we did one and then we did another one. And then by the third one, we were just kind of like, wow, like, this is really special. Um, and we should try to, we should kind of try to do this, you know, together. Um, and we were doing, we were kind of working on other projects or looking to work on other projects together at the same time. And there was another guy that we were um, kind of collaborating with, or at least exploring collaborating with. And one evening, um, we were all sitting around and, and Jesper and this other guy were working on the presentation. I was kind of sitting there and not really doing much. And um, I said, you know, if we're going in to present this idea that we had, we should, you know, we should have a name. You know, we can't just go into like three random guys. We should, we should have a name. So they said, okay, dude, while we're working, why don't you think up a name? So, <laughs> so I was sitting there trying to think of like, well, what, what the hell can we call ourselves here? So I just started thinking about like, what, what do we have in common? And so the first thing that kind of came to mind was food. Um, culturally. So, so Jesper is from uh, Denmark originally. I'm from Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, and this other guy that we were working with was American. And so the name that came to me was Herring, Herring, and Cheeseburger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I pitched this name to them. They, you know, they laughed it off. Um, and, uh, and then at some point, you know, when that guy fell off and we didn't do whatever the project was, and Jesper and I really started talking seriously about, you know, being kind of full-time collaborators, um, we again you know started thinking of what the name should be and we wanted it to be very democratic and you know nobody's name should be kind of before the others and this herring and herring thing came back up and i think when we remembered it we very quickly were like okay yeah let's do it um <laughs> you know it uh it to us it was something that was very funny because it's you know it's a couple of fish um uh it also sounds a little bit serious there's actually a law firm in new york called herring and herring um 
we, we later found out. So, and, and that's kind of our personality. We're, we're kind of serious, but we also have a sense of humor. So it, it fit. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine getting that legal call from the law firm where it's like, why are you using our name? It's like, well, actually, no, it's just two fish. <laughs> well, you, you know, what's funny. We keep in the beginning, we were getting these emails um, from a company. I guess it's like a trophy or a plaque making company mm -hmm. that approach businesses to basically say, hey, um, you should buy a trophy or a plaque from us that says that you're a great business. <laughs> and they were targeting us as if we were that law firm. So they would be, you know, <laughs> they would send us these mock-ups and we never responded. But apparently businesses can just hang plaques on their walls to say that they're a great business and <laughs> the pitch comes from a, a plaque company. Um, I just, I hope that you said to them, hey, can you, uh, can you frame up two fish for us? <laughs> uh, that's a great origin story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, for better or worse, this, this name has stuck. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always a question everybody always asks. Um, and it's pretty funny. I mean, a lot of times people ask, you know, when they meet us, are you brothers? No, we're not brothers. Are you married? No, we're, we're both straight. We're not together. You know, it's like always, it's, there's always questions about the name. But yeah. So how does, how does the uh, collaboration work? Because for years, I used to work at a company where I was uh, co-directing and collaborating with somebody. And it's very tough because you both have to be on the same sort of wavelength. And then it's all about, for us, we had to divide up tasks in order to make it work. Like, how do you, how do you guys make uh, a collaboration work? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, um, we had very uh, kind of assigned roles. Um, again, you know, Jesper was the photographer and I was the art director. Um, and so, you know, from, from the start, first couple of years, I would come up with the concepts. Uh, I would direct Jesper and uh, the models on set and then work on the post. And as we started basically like getting deeper and deeper into the collaboration, um, we started really sharing the responsibilities. So Jesper started come up, coming up with ideas. I started shooting. Um, and thankfully, that thing that you mentioned, that kind of um, singular vision is what we do share. So, you know, um, we, from the beginning, we kind of had the same idea in mind of what we wanted to do um, and kind of how we wanted it to look. Um, so going into it, we knew, okay, this is, this is what we're after. That's kind of how we still are. Um, but now it's just we are a lot kind of freer with um, kind of who takes the lead on what. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that comes with, you know, we've been at it now for, uh, I don't know, 11, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And Jesper, how, how did you get started with photography? Um, that was simply out of boredom, to be honest. Um, <laughs> It's it's true. Like I, I've been doing IT uh, stuff for for as long as I can remember, mm -hmm. and, and I still do that from time to time. Um, and it was simply, you know, um, you know, a way out of that. That that was the goal, you know, to become so good at photography that I didn't have to uh, to do uh, IT consulting anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just you know a, a, a guy, uh, a friend of mine at that time, you know. Uh, brought up certain hobbies I could, uh, you know, look into, and photography was one of them. And I just sat down. I didn't shoot for probably the first six months. I just sat down and analyzed and looked at pictures, what other people were doing, to make sure that, you know, I, I found out what my style would be, and I wouldn't copy anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and, and that that took a long time. And that, in that process, I, I met Dimitri, you know, and he helped shape, you know, whatever we are today, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> well, it's interesting because my origins are, are from a photography background too, and um, I got into it uh, out of necessity. Essentially, because uh, being a young director at the time, this was like at the beginning of digital. So this was like 99, 2000. So being a young director at that time, I really couldn't afford to hire a cinematographer. And so I was like, okay, I got to learn how to do this. And I thought that the easiest way to learn how to do cinematography, the simplest and the cheapest, most affordable way to do it uh, was shoot photos. And by a byproduct of that, I actually ended up having a photography career for a few years. But I found that uh, the thing that I love so much about taking photographs is, well, two things. One, it's finding that emotional connection with the subject in front of the camera. But then two, it's lighting and the power of light and sort of like the magical element that is capturing this light either on film or digitally. Do you guys have uh, a thing that you fall in love with or a place that you start whenever you do a photograph? Is it the subject material or is it the, the, the technical stuff? Like, where does it usually start for you? Huh. Um, uh, well, uh, it always starts, I think, first with an idea. Um, when we first started working together, we uh, were, you know, we were trying to think of, okay, like what kind of photographers do we want to be or what kind of images do we want to take? And we noticed that just naturally uh, each photo shoot that we did was completely different from the previous. Yep. And we saw that we really enjoyed that. Um, and so we kind of made a kind of a, a bit of a pact between you know ourselves that we were going to approach every shoot from a different point of view. So, uh, you know, where we should have been probably working on a consistent <laughs> style, um, <laughs> our consistency was inconsistency. Um, and really, it was a way for us to learn about each other, about kind of like what each other liked and what we liked individually as well i think you know it was really exploring um you know i didn't i did photography like in high school but i never and i and i art directed photography um but i never kind of took it that seriously um so for me it was a lot of kind of a discovery process mm -hmm. um and i think for jesper working with me it was probably kind of a discovery process as well yeah and um, also you know we both came from nine to five jobs that time right um and we mm -hmm. didn't want to fall into that pattern where this turned out to be another nine to five job right yeah that, exactly we wanted to avoid that it has to be something that was an outlet and a creative outlet um something completely different and new and inspiring each and every time to be did this um, and but, also for us it was all about having fun mm-hmm which probably is still the, the main catalyst behind starting any project is, is this going to be fun? Um, but after the question is answered, is it going to be fun? And we decide it's going to be fun. You know, it's about, or, you know, basically coming up with an idea that is, that we're going to be challenged by, that we're going to learn something by doing um, that's something different and new for us. Um, that's kind of how we start. Um, and then, you know, we have both of us, you know, are constantly looking at things and reading things and, um, you know, make a make a record of that and then share that with each other once we're ready to kind of get into that zone. We're proposing ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the technical part, I think, is actually really secondary to us. I, I would not say that we're technical photographers. 
Uh, we definitely have a, a, a vision in terms of the final um, look of the image that we're going after. And before we get on set, everything is pretty, you know, uh, pretty kind of art directed and mapped out um, and concepted out. And mm -hmm. we know exactly what we're going after, but we also like to let things influence um, that thing that's in our heads. So if, you know, uh, if there's a lighting scenario that comes up that's better than what we had originally thought of, we go with that. If the talent decides to do something that we kind of hadn't considered, but it's really working, then we go with that. So we'd like to be prepared. We'd like to get ourselves prepared enough kind of for the day of the shoot mm -hmm. to where we can, if we want to, we can completely let go of all of that and just have fun as well. Um, because once we're on set, we really like to be loose and free and, um, you know, kind of go with the flow, let the, let the process take us into, you know, different directions. It makes sense. <clears throat> From my years of doing it, I always found that there's there's a multiple hats that you have to wear, right? So you have your business side, you have that the side where you're trying to find the work, you're trying to find the paying jobs, and you're trying to avoid it becoming that nine to five job, like you said, because it's difficult uh, sometimes to to get the the gigs and to do that sort of stuff. And then the pre planning is important uh, to get your days in a row and sort of have an idea and then pitch that idea. But then at the end of the day, these are still grabs of personalities, right? These are still grabs of individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about trying to find a way to connect with your subjects, oftentimes within like the course of a half hour, because you just meet these people and they sort of walk in and you have to connect with them. Yeah. Um, do you guys, what are your, what are your processes for connecting with your subjects? You know? I mean, I... I don't know if we really have a process for it. I mean, the, the, the fortunate um, is that we are two people and we do have different personalities, right? So, yeah. you know, the, there, is, there is always one person that the talent gravitates towards more than the other. And we just go with that, right? You know, sometimes I connect with a subject and sometimes it's Dimitri and we'll go with that, right? That, I think that's the beauty of, of, of being two on set. Mm. That's actually a pretty good yeah. point. Yeah, we, we we had an early on. We kind of had a, an occurrence where we had booked a model, and she came in, and we were shooting actually at the time in my in my backyard, and she, she came in, and Jesper was a little bit late. He came after, and we we walked out, and I said, "Oh man, like I I I really don't think this is gonna go well. I think she's like she's really had it. She doesn't <laughs> seem very nice. She definitely does not like me. This is gonna be a tough day." He's like, "All right, let me see," and like. Three seconds later, she's laughing, and <laughs> we wound up having an incredible shoot. She she wound up actually being kind of a friend of ours, up, you know, still even to this day. Um, and it's and it's this thing, and it's happened the other way around plenty of times as well. But it, it is one of the the best things about you know working in a duo, as Jesper said. There, you know, we can kind of attack it from from different directions and um, really use our personalities um, to to get people comfortable. It's, it's fascinating. It's kind of a great cheat code is what that is because it is it is difficult. And I find that when I would shoot, um, if you can't get that connection, if you can't find that, uh, it, for me, it was I would always say that I would have to fall in love with something about my subject in order to convey that thing. And, it, you know, some days would be tougher than others. And it, really, you're getting... Because you guys do a lot of celebrity stuff, you're you're really getting these folks that oftentimes are coming in because their their publicist is like you have to go take photographs, you have to go do this stuff, and they're 
like there have been quite a few jobs where I've been on sets where the the subject shows up and it's like this is kind of a pain in my ass. Like how do we get through this fucking thing? Um, right. And do you guys find that you're dealing with that often? And if you do catch someone like that, uh, are you trying to change that narrative for them immediately, or, or are you just sort of going with whatever you get from them? Well, I think again we have gotten lucky, right? Because we have our own publication and. A lot of it's not like it's like a, a Vogue shoot or an Esquire or something, right? It's mm-hmm. where there is an interview attached to the pictures and stuff like that. Like we get to put people in situations that they normally don't get put into. And a lot of the times they are actually very much into that. Mm-hmm. I would say like 95% of the times they're into that. And, you know, we run everything by with the, uh, the publicist prior, you know, sometimes we get uh, they turn us down for our ideas, um, but you, you know they, we always have like two or three options for them. So, so they, I, I don't think for them it's like this boring, tedious task. It seems like they are really into it and enjoy it. And a lot of times we, you know, we um, we shoot our subjects when they don't have anything to promote, um, but they've seen our work um, and they just want to kind of shoot with us yeah uh, which we've been again very lucky to be in that situation but that also again came out of you know doing our own thing um you know our own magazine which which gives us the opportunity to do that uh when we you know when we first um when we first started out it was it was uh it was a completely different kind of ball game for us and also we were not as um you know we just didn't have the experience that we have now in terms of like you said like you know changing somebody's attitude in a certain sense you know we i mm-hmm. think in general we come in very um, um kind of excited for the day um because again to us this is not a nine to five it's it's really fun that's the only it's really you know the, the main reason we do it mm-hmm. so we're pretty like enthusiastic and positive and i think that with most you know whenever you meet people that are enthusiastic and positive and are doing cool stuff like that's infectious um so i think you know if if whoever we're working with was not into it in the beginning, by the end of it, you know, they, they kind of don't want to leave. I mean, we've had that experience where people show up a little bit grumpy and that they're like, wait, that's it? You, you don't want to keep going? I've got, I've got more time. Like, mm-hmm. We can do more. Um, you know, and we become like, again, very, very friendly um, with them. So, um, yeah, but I mean, but I'll tell you, you know, our first our first celebrity shoot um, and the thing that actually got us into well, got us to make our own magazine, but also uh, into shooting celebrities was we kind of out of the blue wound up uh, doing a shoot with Beyonce. Wow. Um, and, you know, we had never shot any celebrity before. We had, When we first got together, we were shooting fashion exclusively. I think for the first five years that we were um, working together, we were shooting fashion. Um, and it happened to be that uh, kind of, well, it's not that interesting, but it happened to be that our portfolio got in front of Beyonce. Uh, she had had one of our images as her screensaver on her laptop, but she didn't know who took it. <laughs> and so when she saw the portfolio, she was like, okay, these are the guys. And, you know, I think it was like 20 minutes after the portfolio went out to her, we were in her office. And it was a very new experience for us. And we, you know, we booked this shoot pretty much right away. And then we worked with her team for two weeks on creative ideas. And then we were there on set. Um, and you know we were a little bit like it was just very it was a very different process for us and the way that we work and the entertainment 
industry was definitely not how, uh, not what we were used to. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that we typically work is somewhat maybe different from other photographers. Um, you know, what we try to do is, and, and we still, we still kind of do this. We, we don't give a lot of direction right away. Um, we try to really see what the subject is doing and we're studying them. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you have time to study them before the shoot. If you're, you know, hanging out while they're doing hair and makeup or you're just chatting or having a tea or a coffee or something that doesn't happen all of that often. So a lot of times you're really getting to know your subject on set. So we try to really just let them be. And so what we're looking for is what, what are they confident in? What are their vulnerabilities? Mm -hmm. You know, and then obviously you're looking for technical stuff like what, what are their good angles and you know, how's the light on them? How do they move that kind of stuff? So when we, when stuff is working for us, when we get into that initial starting phase and everything's working, we don't say much because we don't want to change anything. Right, you know? right. We don't want them to become too self-conscious of what they're doing if everything's going great. So with Beyonce, we're shooting and, you know, we're just shooting and we're getting great stuff and we're comfortable with it. And um, after I think the first two or three looks, the, the creative director comes over to us and he goes, what the hell is going on? <laughs> And we're like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you guys are so quiet. You're silent. You're, uh, uh, what, what's happening? And we said, well, everything's going well. What do we, you know, we don't have really anything to say. And he goes, no, 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 no. You, you can't do that. You know, she has to feel that you guys are just, you know, you're in love with her. You don't know what to do with yourselves. You're so excited to be shooting her. And she needs to feel like she's the most, you know, desired, beautiful woman in, in the world. And we said, oh, really? Well, she's Beyonce. Doesn't she already know that? So, you know, I walked over to her and I said, hey, listen, like, just so you know, um, you know, if we're not saying anything, that means that we're getting everything out of this that we want. And you're doing an incredible job. I mean, we just don't want to say anything to change it. And she goes, oh, my God, thank you so much for saying that. I thought you guys hated me. <laughs> you know yeah so, yep. so so after that directly after that back and forth we became a lot more vocal um when we see that it's needed yeah um in you know kind of giving you know kind of giving um some positive reinforcement uh to the subject well it's it's a that's a really great story because you at least i would forget when i got started in this when I first started taking photos, I was like uh, very sort of focused on the technical aspect of like, how do I get the lighting to work for right? And a lot of the stuff behind photography in the early days, it just felt like magic. And so I was always trying to crack the code of magic. Like how the fuck did they get this double exposure and how did they do this sort of thing? And so when I was shooting my first subjects, I would be lost in that, in that sort of technical aspect of it. And right. then it wasn't really until I ended up in front of the camera a few times and I understood the vulnerability and I understood the, the trust that is needed. And, uh, you know, having a team of people that are standing on the outskirts of you, examining everything that you're doing and sitting there going, am I, am I being me? Is this who I am? And is, if I stand this way. And so you start to understand that it is just about finding that connection if you're a subject and being able to connect with that photographer and trust that photographer and seeing that love and respect that that photographer is doing that would then open you up to do all sorts of stuff that you may or may not do or do a position or pose that just doesn't seem natural because it looks great on camera, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I also think <clears throat> sharing what's on the screen 
is incredibly important. And, um, you know, the, the thing for us is, again, we try to get, we want the subjects to be as comfortable as we are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because if, they, if they're comfortable, then we're going to have a great time. So, you know, we, again, kind of early on had a couple of um, situations where, um, it, you know, we've got, a, let's say, I'm just thinking of one right now offhand, who, you know, an actress, a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, we're shooting her, and we think she looks fantastic. We're showing her the screen to make sure to say, hey, look, you look amazing. Um, but she is so hypercritical. Um, of herself and she said you know i did a shoot for this other magazine and they said they were gonna you know she said i want my arms a little smaller i want this little, you know I said, yeah that's that's easy that's tiny things to do in post she said oh i did a shoot for this magazine and they promised me all that and they didn't do those things so i just i don't trust anyone anymore <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so sometimes you're coming in and you know the subject has had like maybe not a great experience before and they don't have that trust so you know we try to again, just at least verbally express to them that, you know, what we're, what our whole thing is, we find you incredibly beautiful and interesting. And our job is to make you the best version of yourself in these pictures, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think when they know that you're on their side, um, which, you know, the photographer may not always be on their side, but when they know that you're on their side, they kind of go, huh. And then they're able to have fun and really give um, and then you know and we're doing the same you know it's a fascinating point actually when you think about because that's why i wanted to start getting into it myself was just meeting people and meeting these subjects and and sort of getting lost within the thought process that a stranger has which i always thought was really fascinating and then i don't know if you guys feel this way because you guys are full-time photographers but the business has become so overly saturated and sort of the um, the narrative of is kind of changed, at least lately with photographers, where it's almost more about the photographer than it is about the subjects. And it's more about the lifestyle of being a photographer than it is being the subjects. Have you guys noticed this? Do you feel like the industry has changed a bit since you've been doing it for, what, 12 years at this point, right? I mean, I think, you know, the whole Instagram thing, uh, has changed it because I think, or at least if, I, if I'm inferring this, the thing that you're talking about is that like you can now be kind of a photographer personality on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lifestyle is reflected, you know, in your kind of brand. Um, yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen that. Uh, but, you know, I think we really don't see ourselves as part of any industry, <laughs> to be honest, because I think we always find ourselves. Um, as the outsiders and whatever thing that it is that we're doing. Um, so we never really compare ourselves to anybody else. We're not, you know, we're not, um, we're not, uh, we're not friends with really any photographers. We're not in any kind of like photography groups. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we kind of see ourselves as a bit of a unicorn. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of where we're, we're, we're kind of, we're very comfortable with that. Um, it kind of uh, takes the pressure off, I guess, in a certain sense. But for us, you know, and maybe it's because we're not, you know, Americans or I, I don't know, maybe it's just our personalities. But I think it would, it would be very uncomfortable for us to, you know, kind of make our Instagram about, um, you know, ourselves or showing kind of lifestyle stuff. Um, right. It's just something that maybe is better. But also, you that, know, I mean, like maybe in, 
in stories, maybe we'll post some stuff, you know, like BTS or whatever, if we're doing something exciting. Sure. But that whole kind of thing is just not, is just not our kind of personalities. And again, that's why we're called Herring Herring, right? I mean, it's one of the, the shields that that name give us, right? Nobody knows really what's behind it, right? It could be a large company, it could be 100 people, it could be two people, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. we never really wanted to have our names out there. Um, you know, what? <laughs> like, every photographer goes by their own name, right? It's like, kind of like their own ego trip. Um, and, you know, we did. Uh, we don't need that, you know. I, we don't crave for that. Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating dynamic, and this is this also carries over into the film world and all that kind of stuff. Where there is this sense of I've talked about it multiple times this this year on the show, where it's the combination of confidence versus ego, and salesmanship versus like humble sort of uh, collaboration. Uh, it's this really fascinating balance, especially in a world right now where it is all about influencers and it is all about likes and like instant gratification and and that dopamine rush that everybody's addicted to these days. And so uh, for me, I think one of the reasons why I kind of stepped away from photography for a while was I, I just wasn't feeling, I forgot, which is interesting that you guys said that because I, I kind of felt the hint of it again. I forgot the reason why I started you know, I forgot that it was more about capturing individuals and hanging out with people and falling in love with like individuals. Um, and it, you know, I think the business side of it really sort of tainted me on like how to sell these things and whether or not your work looks like someone else's work and whether or not an editor is looking for someone to recreate someone's work or if you're just banging out promotional material for some new movie. Uh, it just started to feel too nine to five again i guess it comes back to that statement that you guys were making and uh you guys sound like you've been doing a good job avoiding that It's that time. It's time to do, uh, show a little respect to the men and women that make this show spot possible. Whew. My mouth is not working fast enough today. I'm talking about the sponsors. Let's uh, start first with our good friends over at Puget Systems. I just had a nice, wonderful phone call with those guys uh, the other day. And apparently, you guys are buying computers. I just heard that a lot of the listeners of this show are going to Puget, which is fucking great. It's really great. Puget is running strong. It's really nice to know that uh, through this pandemic that people are trying to buy computers, trying to be creative. Um, And so if you have been shy about it, there's a bunch of listeners on this show that have been buying computers from Puget Systems. And if you're someone that is in the market for it, if you're a photographer, if you're looking to build that beefy, retouching machine if you want a machine that can not only run photoshop fantastically for you but can also do a good job with premiere because you're also as a photographer being hired to shoot video content and photographs and you want to make all that stuff work i suggest you get a puget system which is a pc (gasps) pc yes it's a pc like get out of the brainwashed sort of hardware integration baloney that comes with being on Apple and Mac. It's just, a, it's a fucking nightmare. We have to use all their proprietary software. No, no, no. 
get onto a PC. Everything Adobe still works PC. I would even say that it works better on PC. Uh, you can custom build these machines with any kind of hardware you want. So you're not restricted by the specific three or four different pieces of hardware that are supposedly, quote unquote, the best on the market right now. Well, of course you're saying they're the best on the market because they're the ones that you're in bed with, right? Give me a break. Hardware, you gotta remember, it's all about hardware manufacturing. It's all about a dude with a warehouse full of a shit that he's trying to sell to you guys. Like there's a big reason why uh, the new Cyberpunk game didn't work well on the, uh, the new fucking PlayStations or the new Xboxes. It's because of the fucking hardware inside of them. I was running that game on my Puget system with minor glitches. I mean, that game is gorgeous, too gorgeous, in fact, that it almost derailed my fucking creative career. <laughs> but if you're someone that wants to build a new machine, look into build, building a PC, and you don't have to build it on your own, you can go to a company like Puget that doesn't manufacture hardware, so they're not gonna be selling you their bits. They just put together really well-built machines, and they back those machines. Great customer support, and they're moving heavily. In the future, we had a little conversation about this. They are very much moving into um, consulting as well. So they're looking to help you guys build your own PCs. Those of you who uh, want to learn to do it yourselves, Puget Systems is a great resource for that. So like I said, go to PugetSystems.com and check it out for yourself. I, let me just say this. Thank you to the listeners that follow through on our links below the episode and go to hang out with Puget because they were telling us that you guys are doing it. Well, good work. Uh, also supporting the show, and it's valid because we're talking about photography on the show, our friends over at Quasar Science. One of my favorite uh, light units to use these days is a Quasar tube. And whether I'm using a rainbow LED or if I'm using a bicolor tube, um, it's just a fantastic piece of the kit. I really enjoy being able to basically lightsaber wand a light around my subject's face to find the right direction, find the right angle. How far back does the backlight need to be to actually find that chisel chin line on your guy? How high and in what direction in front does the light source need to be to sort of smooth over the complexion of that actress's skin, right? Because every angle, with, with lighting, the fucking centimeter and the angle of light makes all the difference in the world. And if you've ever been on set, which most of you haven't, but if you ever get an opportunity where you're on one of Gina's sets, if I'm lighting, you'll see that my day is literally just consistently moving around key lights, like always tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and moving and pushing and pushing. Because it's like watching the sun set over a horizon. You, you find it. It's just this right angle. It just sort of sets the right way and runs itself. That light just sort of splashes itself over the complexion, runs itself up against their nose and spills over to the other cheek. It's really beautiful stuff. I love lighting. Um, but anyway, if you want to have some great stuff in your kit, if you want to use some of the stuff that I use, go check out Quasar Science, some of the best LED lights on the marketplace. So go to quasarscience.com. Uh, also supporting the show, 
I'll give you guys another read. Also supporting the show are our friends over at MovieTees. That's M-O-V-I-T-E-E-S.com. Uh, if you are a film nerd, which most of you are, if you guys are in the club of being a film nerd and like to brag about the movies that you've seen, like I do, um, I love wearing uh, very sort of subversive film shirts. I like to have t-shirts on that that not so subtly brag about the movies that I enjoy. Uh, and uh, Movie Tees creates t-shirts uh, that are based upon the corporations that exist in the worlds of the cult movies that we grew up loving, right? So like, I was wearing my Nostromo shirt the other day. What corporation? What movie is that from? You guys also know the answer to that if you're listening to the show. Um, so go to movietees.com. That's M-O-V-I-T-E-S.com and click on, uh, they have like a movie selection link. When you click on that, you can see all the great films that they have t-shirts for and then you can chuckle at their designs. And only imagine that when you wear that shirt around me or if you wear that shirt on set they're gonna look across the room like that director and you're a PA and you're just there moving around like a fucking sandbag you got sandbags in your hand all day from across the room that director sort of looks at you and this is a director that's been completely lost in his work right and he looks across the room and goes huh and he points at you and goes I fucking know that movie there you go then the t-shirt is worth its money so go to m-o-v-i-t-e-s dot com if you want to continue to support the show uh, and you don't want to uh, reach in your own pocket to do so, if you do, by the way, you can. If you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, there's a donation button there. So if you're like, Mike, you fucking kill it on this show. I've got all this extra cash. Take some of it. Hey, wow, man. Fuck yeah. I will hook you up with a free t-shirt. <laughs> but if you uh, want to support the show and you're like, dude, I don't have cash. I mean, what, what are you fucking talking about? Uh, the best way to do so, if you haven't done it already on another podcast, is you can sign up for a free trial at Audible. So if you follow the link in the description of the episode, I think it's audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. If you follow that link, you'll get 30 days for free. You'll get a free trial there, 30 days for free. You get an audiobook for free, and you get access to a bunch of their content that they do monthly. Um, and then uh, you're going to fall in love with it. That's how I listen to all my books these days is basically through Audible. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to listen to next. There's a bunch of dream books that I'm looking into, but I also want to find something fun and scary. So if you guys have any suggestions for books that I should be reading on Audible, send me a message on Instagram at Mike Petchy and let me know like, hey, dude, I, the fucking audio performances on this book were really great. And that's fascinating too, by the way. The production on a lot of these books are fucking phenomenal. Really great. Really great actors reading for them. They do a really good job over there. Um, so you're really going to fall in love with it. Get lost in the content. But if for some reason, if you have to cancel, doesn't matter. We still get paid. So uh, go sign up for a free trial at Audible. Use the link below the episode and help us out. Um, that's it. That's it for our reads. Let's get back into it with Herring and Herring. I'll tell you, like, doing COVID now, right, where I moved from um, New York to L.A., you know, we've kind of got split up. Mm -hmm. And 
entire industry got closed down. You know, we started picking up, uh, uh, like Dimitri did like more still life all of a sudden, you know, and I got like a new house here and I wanted <laughs> some new pictures for my walls. Um, and I got like, fell in love with photography again through, you know, film photography. Mm -hmm. um, like again, just shooting, not shooting subjects and not shooting for anybody else but myself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's proved to be a, a very good way to, to get back into it and, and fall in love with the process again. Um, thanks for the plug for the show title, by the way. <laughs> um, the uh, well, what are you what are you in love with right now when you're shooting? Like, what are, what are you obsessed with? Um, I mean, so we've always been, you know, again, we're not technical, right? But we do like to have the right equipment, right? Yep. So we've always, like, in the beginning, we were sponsored by Phase One, mm -hmm. right? Um, very expensive camera system. We were very fortunate to get that sponsorship, and we became. Um, ambassadors for Hasselblad um, oh. and we still are brand ambassadors for, for them to this day. Nice. Um, and the, the beauty of that, like com coming over from, you know, shooting a Canon to going to medium format was that it felt very expensive, right? Not only just holding some solid, uh, you know, a solid heavy camera, but every frame felt like it should cost, you know, a thousand dollars, right? It, like this shutter sound, like all that felt like very serious. And over the and years, it also slows you down. It also slows you down, which, which is fantastic. Yeah, you don't just like, you know, spray 4,000 frames out. You know, you take five. <laughs> right, 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 right um, totally. And those five has to count, right? Also, again, it feels precious. And I felt that way again with uh, film photography. Like each frame was you know, meant to be something special. Also because, you know, there was a whole painstaking process of developing, scanning, you know, editing, and mm -hmm. then <laughs> retouching the damn thing, right? <laughs> right. Um, which takes a long time. Um, so if you can keep it low, you know, to five, six frames, you know, and make sure that that's five, six frames of your best quality work, then you're golden. So that's why I fell in love with the process again, or with that camera system or film. Yeah, I get that too. And, you know, there's, for a while, even whether you're talking photos, or you're talking movies, there was this battle between like film versus digital. And, and for quite some time, that was the narrative going through a lot of the creatives where it's like, what are you shooting on? And is it film? Is it digital? And digital is really clean and all this stuff's really great. And then you just sort of realize post that argument that that was really an argument that was put into place by the manufacturers of specific cameras that were sort of oh, starting. Yeah. 100%. Start, yeah, yeah. Starting that fucking fight. And so the point that you bring up, which is the same thing that I love about uh, shooting uh, film and, and that uh, I know my girlfriend, who's a photographer, loves about shooting film, is that it totally does slow down everything. And the process becomes very specifically about what's in front of the camera. And, it, and there's a sense of magic and an understanding from the team that you have working with you that like, I'm about to push this button and this is like one of 12. So <laughs> let's make yeah. sure everything works. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, cause you guys have brought it up a couple times in the show, uh, the magazine that you guys have, the Behold Magazine, how did, how did that start? So well, we, so the magazine is uh, yeah. sorry. Uh, it's called Herring and Herring. 
Okay. Okay. Um, and so the latest issue is called Behold. Um, mm. But it's, yeah, it's called the same thing that we are uh, called. Got it. Um, again, a strange title for a magazine, but, uh, you know, strange title <laughs> for a photography duo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that kind of happened, um, I guess, uh, out of failure, um, which, it's, which is another, uh, I think, one of our kind of favorite uh, things uh, is, is failure. We really like to uh, to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was our failure uh, basically in getting a lot of the work that we were really passionate about um, into magazines. So we would pitch, you know, multiple ideas to editors. And, you know, most of the time they tend to go for the safest one. Um, and so we had this catalog, this back catalog of all of these kind of things that we really want to shoot. Um, but people weren't asking us to. And after we did that, um, that Beyonce shoot, we got paid, you know, more money than we had ever seen, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, for a single project. And we thought, well, what are we going to do with this money? It, it almost felt like, well, we can't just spend it on ourselves. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have to do something with it. So we just invested it back into our work. Um, and we decided to shoot all the shoots that we wanted to, uh, that other people didn't want. Um, so, we got an opportunity to uh, do an exhibit of our work um, at a gallery, Rooster Gallery, um, on Lower East Side in New York. Nice. So we shot these images basically for the gallery show and then for kind of a catalog for that gallery show, um, which wound up being this little magazine that we made. Um, we built a website for the magazine and we sent it out to, you know, basically like potential um potential clients and on the website we you know we also said oh if you you know if if you want one of these things we'll send it to you and we got a bunch of requests to to, you know people wanted this this magazine Hmm. um we also passed them out at the book um and you know tried to get as many eyes on it as possible and then we heard from a distributor who said i think i can't remember whether we reached out or they saw it but it was basically like can you can you send us that magazine? We sent it and they said, um, you know, if you wanted to make this into a real thing, we'll distribute it. Interesting. Um, so then we thought, huh, wow, we could actually do a magazine magazine. Um, and we, oh, well, so that magazine, that first little book, uh, wound up being, uh, a friend of ours had a, um, a salon. And a bunch of we we gave them a bunch of copies, and there was a guy getting a haircut in that salon, who was looking through the magazine, and he asked, I think, the salon person, like, who who are these people? <laughs> and uh, you know, they put him in contact with us, and we went to his office, um, and he said, you know, uh, so he's a, he's a publisher, um, a book and magazine publisher. He used to publish, or he actually they brought it back, published his magazine called Graphis. Okay. Um, which I was a huge fan of when I was a kid in high school. This was also like pre-internet, where you could see like design from all over the world, kind of the best of design from all over the world. Wow. Um, and so he said, you know, I saw this thing, I saw this magazine while I was getting my hair cut, and I'm seeing these images. He's like, and the images are so incredible, and I couldn't believe I'd never heard of you guys. So is there anything I can do to help you? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we said, uh, yeah, sure, anything you could think of. Uh, but right now we're trying to think of actually making this into a real magazine and you have a magazine. Can you recommend a printer to us? Mm-hmm. So he said, yes, I'll put you in touch with my printer right away in Hong Kong. And 
that kind of got everything started into thinking like, okay, like, well, now we know what it costs to print a magazine, and here's the process that we need to go through to actually make this thing happen. Um, so, you know, we knew, okay, here's kind of what our budget is going to be for printing. Let's figure out what a budget's going to be for, uh, for these shoots, and what do we want to do? And then, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's like just putting one foot in front of the other. Wow. Um, so we reached out to Beyonce and we said, hey, can we run those images that we took of you that you've already used? Can we run those in the magazine? Mm-hmm. Um, they said, sure. Um, and then we started to reach out to publicists. Um, again, just, you know, we had never done this before. It was all very, you know, strange process. But we started reaching out and we said, oh, you know, they said, who else is in this magazine? And we said, Beyonce's in this magazine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, b- before before Beyonce said yes, we just had, we heard a lot of no's. And after, you know, her name was dropped, we heard a lot of yeses. <laughs> yeah. And we just started reaching, you know, we made a list of people who we really thought were cool. And that we really, you know, kind of our dream subjects. And, you know, I think that first issue we got, Yes, but what, what was it, 12 or 13 or 14 people? Yeah, sounds about right. Something like that. Um, and yeah, so we, you know, went out to San Francisco, went out to LA, wow. shot some in New York, um, did it all, put it all together, and, you know, printed it, <laughs> sent it to the distributor, and then we were like off to the races. We were, you know, at Barnes & Noble and wow. all the fashion newsstands and in whatever it was, 25 countries across the world um and getting great reception and getting pr you know stuff written up about it and um that's when things started really happening for us because we were you know for the first time we were not um kind of playing the game of other people and we were kind of playing our own game and by that i mean you know we weren't chasing editors asking them can we shoot something for you and we weren't you know, sending out a bunch of emails over and over or cold calling and asking for jobs, mm-hmm. things started coming to us because we had made this thing that was 100% us. You know, yeah. it was the first time that we could really package it to explain, well, this is what we are. This is the kind of like our vision um, instead of kind of like a one-off editorial or, or portrait shoot or something. Um, and again, I think we were also using our personalities to the best of our abilities uh, in the process of making it where again, you know, uh, the, the first person we shot for the magazine was um, Lars Ulrich of Metallica and mm-hmm. uh, he became a client. And then one of the other people we shot for the magazine was Kelly Osborne. Um, she became a client. Then, you know, she introduced us to her dad basically, and he became a client and we shot him for the magazine. And it's, it, it really became a vehicle for us to a, really express ourselves to the you know fullest power and then it also gave us uh you know a commercial um a, a commercial business yeah know? yeah um so it, re- it really kind of brought it all together for us fascinating it's smart that's a very smart way to get into it and it it seems that that's what you need to do these days to be a successful photographer be someone that's successful in this business is find a different way in and you guys did a really good job of that because not only do you have a place that y- you don't physically have to go through the same shit that thousands and thousands and thousands of other photographers have to go through where they're writing to editors and they're pitching ideas and maybe it fits and maybe it doesn't fit. And then you also are bringing in 
uh, new clients that have like uh, according to your website blows up beyond just photography because it looks like you guys did music videos for Metallica looks like you guys did a bunch of stuff based upon that initial contact correct yeah no I mean absolutely um, it's uh, you know and I, I think <clears throat> again with with each one of these with each one of the issues even you know we're trying to push ourselves and do different things so mm. uh, we were just uh, we were just uh, doing an interview we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later. So we just did this project uh, with Toomey and we were speaking with their creative director and we were talking about kind of a little bit about our process and how we do things. And, you know, we were saying that because we like to challenge ourselves, we always get ourselves into these situations where we do a thing that we've never done before we do the thing, you know, like we hadn't published a magazine before we published a magazine. We never directed a music video before we directed a music video. Uh, we hadn't shot a celebrity before we shot a celebrity, you know. Um, so, you know, with with even with each of the magazines, you know, one year we decided, okay, you know, we should do some videos. So we hired um, a friend of ours to shoot a bunch of videos for the magazine. Mm-hmm. Then the following issue, we decided let's shoot all the videos ourselves. You know, so again, it's like, yeah, shoot it yourself, edit yeah. it yourself, yeah, shoot the videos, like do all the stuff. Um, to us, it's a great learning it's 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 an opportunity for us to learn how to do things and then you know if uh if somebody calls up and they say hey do you guys want to do a music video uh we at least have enough of an understanding of what we're doing to say yes and then figure it out before we get on set (laughs) (laughs) totally totally yeah my years of doing music videos was <laughs> was the same thing. The first time you're just like, yeah, sure, we could fucking do that. And then you try to figure it out as you go along. And then the, the deeper you get into it, the more you understand how, how the game works and how, how you should, uh, how to creatively navigate that crazy world, which is music videos. Um, so fascinating stuff, guys. And as far as, as far as the magazine goes, obviously it helped that you had Beyonce. Obviously it helped that you guys were shooting celebrities because people, at the end of the day, it's all about who's in front of your camera, right? Like that's who people are going to purchase a magazine from. That's who people are going to be convinced to work with you based upon, do you think? More so than technical. I think to a, yeah, I mean, I think to a point, I I think that, um, I mean, hopefully it's the image. You yeah, know? of course. I, mean, I, I hope. I mean, obviously uh, having a person of note uh, versus an unknown in the image will definitely help sell it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the thing that connects the viewer to the subject, you know, in a lot more, you know, in a more immediate way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the last issue that we did, I think there were probably more non-celebrities than celebrities in it, uh, behold. Um, and there, you know, th- 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 each issue kind of has a, uh, a theme, Mm-hmm. Um, this past issue's theme was beauty, um, and but it was kind of our take on beauty, a little bit of an untraditional take on beauty, um, and uh, you know the response that we've gotten to it has been way more the 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 comments have been way more about the non-celebrity subject matter than the celebrity subject matter, mm. so. So for us, I think that feels like a success um, because, again, it's the picture. Um, I think that's that's finding the success rather than the celebrity subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a combo, you know? Yeah. 
Well, I, dude, I get it. Because same thing with the show. Like when I do this show, like uh, oftentimes I'll pull in new subject or new uh, listeners uh, based upon, you know, a, a guest that they fucking know. So it's like, oh, sure. shit, like this this person. But then it is, at the end of the day, once you build that brand and you build that quality, then people sort of dig deep. And they, they actually, a lot of the favorite episodes of this show are just the random episodes that I have a guest that no one, no one even knows. And and so I've, I feel that, man. I think it's, but, it, but I think if you're, because there's a lot of younger photographers that are listening to this show. And there's a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to make and navigate this crazy fucking world <laughs> as far as the creative world goes. And I think that there should be a bit of an understanding here that there's two different sides of it, at least from my opinion, there's two different sides of it. There is the the work and you have to be great at your work and you have to have a voice and you have to be strong with that. But then it's also the connects. And it's also understanding that at some point you're gonna be presented with a great angle or a great idea that is gonna change everything. Like you guys coming up with this idea to do this magazine really sort of changed everything for you. Um, but like it's the combination of both those things. It's it's having a face, it's having the access into it for the general public, but then also having the work to support that shit. And then in the long run, it seems like the work will obviously transcend all of that stuff. And people, just because they know who you are and because they're obsessed with your material will, will fall in love with the work. But I don't think you can rely upon the work initially because there's so much of it out there. There's so much fucking good work out there right now that it's hard to sort of sort your way through this sea of it. Do you agree or disagree with me? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And again, I think for us, uh, <laughs> the failure thing really led us to everything that we're doing. You know, mm -hmm. um, we because we have to figure out a way to kind of break through a little bit um, in our own way. It just was not going to happen for us by yeah. doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, and it, and again, we got lucky. I think um, in that first little break, you know, we were again. Somebody was asking us about uh, kind of breaks, where you always think like the thing that you do is going to be your big break. <laughs> um, and we definitely thought when we shot Beyonce that that was going to be our big break, but it wasn't. And then like when we shot Oprah, we thought that'll be our big break, but it wasn't. And when we shot Metallica, we thought that'll be our big break, but it wasn't. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I think it's like incremental breaks. Um, that and you know you have to kind of I think you've got to take every project that you do you've got to do your best and hope that it's going to be the thing that's going to kind of launch you further um, but uh, I think the the successes and the breaks are just as valuable as the failures um, or learning from failures yeah um, you know where you're not also wasting a lot of time kind of beating a dead horse yeah yeah I mean, this, this kind of reminds me of like, remember in the beginning, the, you know, one of our goals were to get an agent, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. We thought yes. that would be, you know, the, the way that we would get on the map, right? We, we need an agent, right? And we did everything. We reached out to every agent that was, you know, there. Um, in the world. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and, you know, all of them wanted the same, right? They wanted to put us in a box, right? They wanted us to shoot you know, heavy, you know, girls running through a cornfield, you know, but we didn't have any of that work, right? Mm -hmm. That wasn't mm -hmm. us. Uh, so we never fit into those boxes, um, even though we tried for, uh, you know, a couple of seasons to, to, to do that sort of work and align our portfolio to it. Um, and, you know, it ended up being our strength, right? Not fitting into any of these boxes. Like we created our Yeah, totally. Boxes. 
And I mean, you know, the other thing is, in terms of agents, the thing that we didn't learn until, well, and again, this is just, you know, like maybe this is valuable also to younger photographers, but, you know, we only learned about what an, what an agent actually does for you when we had agents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it, what they did for us was they took the existing clients that we had and they were able to get us more money from those clients. Um, but they weren't great at finding us new clients. And then, you know, the percentage that they took from the jobs that we did was pretty significant. Mm -hmm. um, and when we stopped working with agents, we noticed that, well, we learned from it. First of all, we learned how to read a contract. We learned how to write a contract. Uh, we learned how to negotiate our rates. Um, and we saw that we were making a lot more money without having an agent. Um, we could do less jobs and make more money. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, that to us was, you know, very inspiring. Um, and, you know, it's something that we, you know, are pretty, I mean, I think we're pretty proud of at this point. Um, and, you know, if there's, if, if there is an agent that aligns with our vision, then we're open to it, but we are, you know, we, we, Right now, the value is not in having an agent rather than having an agent. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's one of the younger things. And the same thing in the movie world, too, where as a director, I was like, it's all about getting an agent in management. And in the movie world, it's a little bit different than the photography world because the agents are basically the gatekeepers for uh, production companies, for uh, other agents and actors and talent. So a lot of times you need that sort of to crack the code to get your scripts out or get your shit out. But for photography is a lot different. And um, I learned that as a commercial director for years, like just being rep by production companies, that at the end of the day, who you, it isn't just about finding an agent. It isn't just about finding a production company. You have to find, if you are looking for that, you have to know that those people are leveraging their contacts if they're selling you to anything. So you have to understand who their contacts are and, and the kind of material that they make money on. But at the same token, you also have to understand that these folks are completely reliant upon the work that you're submitting or the work that you're creating to try to sell you. And if you're doing mm -hmm. stuff that doesn't fit into what is being bought right now easily, it's really hard for an agent to give you that time. <laughs> um, and I think that one of the lessons that I learned, and it sounds like you guys learned a hard lesson with agents as well, is that it isn't the end goal. And it's something that I think that I figured out that when my work became great enough or my work started to align with what agents needed and wanted, they came to me. So right. the hunt was no longer that important. And if I was to go back in time and talk to myself as a younger person, I'd just go like, dude, just focus on the fucking work. Just focus on creating great content because when it's time, they're going to come your way. And your work needs to be what they need for it to work uh, with them and for that collaboration to work with them because my older work wouldn't have done shit with an agent. It, it took like two of my more recent films for them to be like, okay, right. we know how to get you in the room with these people now, you know? I mean, I, I guess it depends on what you want, right? Uh, at the end of the day, you can sit down and analyze what the agents are pushing and just make that your work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who works like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried that with with commercials for a while because the commercial industry, as you guys know, is pretty cutthroat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being repped by 
a company that was like, we're having trouble selling what you what it is that you do. You should probably create some stuff for your reel that fits in other stuff. And I did that for like a year or two years, and it was just fucking miserable. And you're yeah, you're, yeah, that's not a good uh, good way. Yeah, man, you're just like, God damn it, what am I doing this for? Because it takes so much time out of your life. It takes so much from you, you know. Uh, but that being said, I think that you guys did a really good job uh, figuring this stuff out, and it's it's amazing that this through that learning lesson through the failure you guys were able to come up with this magazine that really has been the centerpiece kind of of the whole business correct yeah absolutely um you know also again this may be valuable uh to, to young photographers uh <clears throat> again on the, on the failure uh front <laughs> um i don't know how many meetings we've had at sony <laughs> <laughs> Yes, for how many meetings have we had at Sony? I, I don't know. I mean, it was to the point where it's like embarrassing walking in there, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we've we've since stopped, um, but we would go to Sony and have these meetings, and you know, meet with all the art directors, and uh -huh. every time they're like, "Guys, we love your work," and we're like, "Yeah, that's great," you know, let's do something, and they're like, "Yeah, like we just yeah, like for one reason or another, it's like not happening, right?" So. And the last time we were in there, uh, we had shot three Sony artists um, already, but who hired us personally, not mm -hmm. through the record company, which is really the way to go also. But I think we asked, like we were, we were meeting with every, um, with every department. And finally we were, I think we were meeting with like the classical music department or something. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we said, you know, and the, the art director was really nice. And we were like, listen, like, we don't understand. We have these meetings. Everyone is so complimentary. They love our work. Like, what's the problem? And he goes, well, the perception around here is you guys are really expensive. Uh -huh. <laughs> and we're like, perception? Well, why don't you ask? You know? Um, and the truth is we are really expensive. Um in to you know in comparison to what they are used to paying um but you know if the project was cool or if there was a person that we really wanted to work with uh that we wouldn't get the chance to work with on our own you know we'd probably do it yeah um but there is also this you know perception when you make kind of i guess a certain like quality of work or where you're working with a certain caliber of um you know artists that you know, you're you're kind of out of the reach or out of reach for, you know, various projects. So we've also found that to be an interesting thing where um, uh, those smaller projects don't make themselves to us because, you know, right. the perception is that we are, you know, pretty expensive. Right, right. Which, you know, makes sense because these art directors working for the label are also working underneath the label's restrictions on the budgets. And the, the interesting aspect, at least of the music industry, is that, you know, once albums weren't bought anymore, it kind of changed the whole business plan of labels and changed the way that they make money. And so I feel like, with, at least with music videos, we saw it pretty hard as directors where all of a mm -hmm. sudden it was... 
well, these things aren't going on an MTV anymore, so you don't really need that big of a budget. And you're like, well, but also it's being focused really heavily on all the fans of the artist, and they're going to see be seen by like 12 million fucking people. Like, doesn't that still equate a good budget? Yeah, but it's not going on MTV anymore. And so they found ways to make it very inexpensive, which then you're constantly in this battle, whether you're talking about print magazine or you're talking about music videos, where you're always battling the fact that they aren't spending a lot of money on these things often. And so they're just looking for the youngest, the newest, hottest, youngest person that they can bring in there and go, this is a great opportunity for you. Like, it's, you know, this is really cool. Like, yeah, that's exactly true. Yeah, you, know, totally. you yeah. know, like we don't have to pay them what it is that we need to pay them, which is interesting because we were just flipping through this morning. I was flipping through a bunch of interview magazine stuff, uh, like their latest stuff, which is like printed on that newspaper print now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard, I, I don't know all the specifics, I probably shouldn't say all of it, but I, I don't know all the specifics, but I heard that they ended up firing most of the people at that magazine and didn't work with those people at those magazines and they changed the whole format uh, because he didn't want to pay the prices for that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's a cutthroaty kind of fucking business right now. And it, I think a lot of it stems ultimately from the the consumers where a lot of people aren't you know, spending money on this stuff you know like photography is tough these days because you get such great photographs everywhere you look like for free on instagram all over the place you get really great photographs so how do you how do you price yourself out like how do you uh get into this business and set a mode uh in which you can make a living in this business um how have you guys figured it out I mean, I, I still think you can see the difference between, you know, um, an Instagram influencer taking a picture compared to a professional photographer. I, I, I mean, I, I'm 100% sure of that. Yep. Like the, the project that we just uh, uh, finished up, which is coming up next week, you know, like the, the client, you know, could definitely see a difference in having a professional team uh, produce the images compared to what they currently have on their Instagram, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I hear what you're saying, but yeah, I, I, and I feel like there is a lot of company that's just going down that route, you know, um, that anybody can produce content these days. Um, whereas if they actually compared it, it's, it's not the case. Yeah. But as far as like the quality content that's being created. Yeah. 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 Which is interesting. And then it's just about being able to sell that difference, being able to see that difference. And then you made a great point earlier, which has been, always been my point too, where I'd rather only take a few jobs a year that pay me really well than do the fucking struggle yeah. of like a hundred or, or 200 underpaying jobs with clients that expect it to be at the same level as the bigger jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, point it out, like we only do it if it's fun, right? Like yeah. we don't take on projects anymore if they're not fun and fun also includes you know if this doesn't pay you know if there was no reason to do it right yeah we you know there's a there's an interesting uh conversation uh we had a little while ago where somebody asked us about um you know what kind of pictures do you guys take like on your time off you know like just like your personal work what kind of pictures are those we said well we don't we don't do that (laughs) we don't um we don't take pictures unless really someone's like paying us to take pictures you know, or if it's like a project that we're working on, just something that we're really heavily invested in creatively. Um, we don't we don't make personal work, you know. Um, but what that means is, 
you know, all the work is personal to us. Yeah. Um, when we're working on something that we're really passionate about, I mean, we are all in. And so when we have those meetings with, you know, the potential client, you know, we go in there really excited. Like we really want the job because we know we're going to do an amazing job for you because we're super passionate about you um, or about the project. And we're going to come in there with incredible ideas and also, you know, a proven track record of like, here's what we did for this other person or this other company. And here's what we feel you guys need. And here's what we can do. And, you know, I think, I think also our sensibility is a lot more um, like strategic mm-hmm. um, than maybe a typical, you know, photographer in, in a certain sense. Um, because we're also looking at it from a business point of view, which is their business. Um, you know, how how do you want your brand, whether that's, again, a personality or a company, like, how do you want that to be? How do you want to stay the same or change things? Uh, what is it in the landscape that you're working in that is, um, you know, changing that maybe you need to catch up on to? Or maybe there's something that you've done in your past catalog that actually right now would be a great thing to bring back. And it would be super successful because that's what people are, are into. So, you know, I think it's like personality, really caring about the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. which means it has to be fun and it has to pay you enough for it to be fun where it's not, you know, where it doesn't feel like a big pain in the ass. <laughs> um, and then you're going to do great work. Or at least for us, that's that's how it is. Yeah, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. That's a great philosophy to have. And it's, I mean, it works for you guys because you guys are you guys are in business. You guys are working. You guys are doing stuff. So um, that's really good. I think that's good advice for the young photographers listening here. That uh, and that's what we try to do on this show is sort of break through the preconceived notions uh, and sort of break through what we think the business is. And uh, I like your story, man. I like the idea that you guys published your own magazine. I like the idea that Beyonce had a photograph of yours on her screensaver. Do you know what photograph it was that she had on her computer? We do. Um, we did this uh, We did this photo shoot, which these days would be total very blasphemy. Very. <laughs> <laughs> um, very on PC. But at the time, uh, we were not thinking, well, we, I'll, I'll explain what we were thinking. But we did a photo shoot um, for a, a magazine in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the earlier shoots that we'd done together. Um, and we took three Asian models, um, and we painted them black, mm-hmm. um, and kind of a tribal, tribal makeup and hair. Mm-hmm. We worked with these incredible, uh, hair and makeup artists, and we did this fashion shoot basically, where it was a combo of, um, fashion and then also, um, uh, like original, um, African, um, jewelry and headdresses and and stuff mm-hmm. um all mixed in and anyway when this came out it, this was so funny because <clears throat> so so one of these images is all three girls are in the shot and their tongues are out and their tongues are painted different colors so it thinks like one tongue is red one tongue is blue and one tongue is white <laughs> um and it's a very intense really cool photograph very attention grabbing that's what was on her screensaver um and at the time that it came out i remember Jesper like texted me or called me in the morning and he said 
he said, I don't know what's going on, but like we went, our website went from like having like a thousand visitors a day to like 70,000 visitors today. <laughs> and I was like, what? So we went and we looked and it was back in the days of this, I mean, not like original AOL, but AOL at some point that it was still existing, um, you know, like 2008 or something or 2009 or 2010. Right. Um, they had published the story. They had picked it up from, I guess, the magazine's website and they published a story about um this photo shoot in a section of the site that was about african-american culture <laughs> and they wrote finally black models are getting their due Oof. working with you know accomplished yeah. fashion photographers and representing our culture and all this stuff and then they listed the models names which are all like japanese and korean and Chinese names, Oof. you know, um, so, so, but people kind of didn't catch on. We even got an email from, uh, National Geographic, um, asking if they can run one of these photos. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. We said no. We said no. We said no. <laughs> we were terrified. Yeah, um, I would be too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that was the image that she had. Um, and that's, uh, <laughs> also, the she knew that you know. And I don't nobody knew. No, yeah. yeah, nobody really knew. But but the reason why we did it, just to kind of uh, explain it a little bit, sure, um, is the um, I can't remember what the, what the theme of the magazine was that they asked us to pitch this you know this idea for, but uh, it was like past and future or something like that, and we were trying to think of like what you know kind of like just visually or culturally like what. What are things that are looked on as the past and what are things that are looked on as the future? And so we were thinking like, well, we all came from Africa, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we're all in a certain sense of African descent. Like that's, you know, that's where we all come from. Um, and what is the future? Like what do people equate with the future? And so kind of, you know, Japan um, and technology were, you know, at, at the time, at least it wasn't like, like you know, uh, uh, Cupertino or whatever, but it was like really like Japan and Asian culture as the, as the forefront of technology in the future. Um, we thought, how do we combine those things? So that's where we thought, okay, well, what if we took Asian models and painted them black? And then we also saw, um, I think when we were first like photoshopping these images, that they that the girls kind of like look Kenyan, you know, like <laughs> as if they were from Kenya. And we thought, wow, this is also like super interesting because if you just change the shade of somebody's skin, like all of a sudden their, their place, you know, like the place that you associate them with changes. And so anyway, we were like super taken with that whole idea. And that's why we, that's why we did that project. We didn't like see it as, as, as any kind of blackface or anything like that. Um, right. And it's only now like looking back at it, it's kind of like, oh, you definitely would not do that today. Yeah, oh, of course, um, of course. Today. But, um, yeah, but we love that photo shoot. I mean, it's still on our site and we love those images. Uh, is I mean it's they're, I'm looking at them right now. They're fantastic and they're so oh, stark. Cool. And it, it it makes sense that uh, she would have it on her desktop. It's really really great, dude. Uh, Thank you. Uh, it's I love your stories, man. I love how you guys have sort of come up, and uh, you 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 should be you must be proud of the origins of Herring and Herring. And I think you guys are doing really fantastic work. Um, and uh, I should probably wrap this up because I think we're hitting the point of that show but uh, i just wanted to thank you guys both for being on the show and, and sharing these stories with us and um and uh you had such really great things to say and i feel like part of me remembers now 
<laughs> after talking to you guys, like, <laughs> all right, that's why I love taking photographs because the business side of things can really get in the way. Uh, and once you once you start getting into that hustle of like, I got to fucking get work and I got to do pitching and then do I change my work in order to fit this thing? And you you sort of forget that at the end of the day, what you're supposed to be doing is enjoying it and having fucking fun shooting stuff, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I would just say is, uh, again, this is like for, for younger, um, you know, photographers starting out and all that. There's, I think, a lot um, that when you think, and I think we were probably thinking this in the beginning, like, you know, when you think about the successful photographers and, you know, big names and stuff, you think about, you know, they've got these like big teams and there's people and there's help and there's all this. And if I had that, then maybe I would be able to do this, this and this. And, you mm -hmm. know, that's what's keeping me from, you know, accomplishing what I want and all that. And, you know, we went down that path also of like building big teams and working with a lot of people and having an office full of people working with us. And, you know, we found that at least for us, it's kind of the total opposite. Um, that it's really, it was when we like come together, the two of us, that we have uh, the most kind of success where, you know, you cut kind of all the fat out and you only do, like you only, you only use what you need. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and by keeping things lean, even creatively in a certain sense, um, it gets you to the place, or again, it gets at least us to the place that we need to be so much faster. Um, and I'll, I'll share a very quick, quick story because I was just, uh, I was just remembering this with um, a producer that we used to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, we were shooting uh, the music videos for Metallica. And um, this was the, I think, third music video that we shot. Uh, we were shooting in Oakland. And we were shooting at an old, um, like, I mean, it's not abandoned, but it's basically an old abandoned um, uh, train station. Mm -hmm. So there's no power. You have to bring in your own power. <laughs> and um, so we've got the band uh, in the center of this giant kind of space. And we've got like 100 fans in a circle around them. And we're running. Yes, but maybe you remember more like how many lights we had up. I don't remember that. <laughs> but a, a lot of, let's say, a lot of lights that are, uh, you know, we're shooting at night. So the only light we have is light that's being run off of a couple of generators uh, on the outside of, um, of this building. Yep. So we've got a lot of people. We've got, you know, at least 200 people there, um, probably more. And at a certain point, one of the generators dies and the lights go out. And, yeah, and Jesper runs to, uh, to start cranking the generator. Yeah. And I go out with him and we're standing there cranking the generator. And Lars comes out and he goes, uh, hey, uh, what are you guys doing out here? Are you guys taking like a smoke break? He didn't say anything. And Jesper's like, no, the fucking generator died, dude. I'm, I'm trying to crank the generator. And Lars just starts laughing, like, hysterically. He's like, you guys are fucking crazy. The fucking director is cranking the generator? I love you guys, you know? And so we're standing there laughing our heads off. Do you remember like, the reason why it went out, by the way? <laughs> What's that? It's his fucking coffee machine. <laughs> oh, his coffee machine. True. It's fucking coffee machine or tea table or whatever That's right. in there. It was very yes. easy and actually known within the Metallica, you know, company to cause trouble, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Oh, but, wonderful. But, but yeah, but basically we were in this job. We were doing this, you know, pretty big production. And the, the, the conversation I was having with the producer, we had one producer and we had one assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we under, we, <laughs> we way underdid it on that one. But what I was going to say is, even though it was a very <laughs> lean situation, it, there also wasn't any like issue. Like, so what? Like you go and you fucking crank up the generator and you're good. You don't need to have a gigantic, crazy, you know, um, you know, production team to make something work. So yeah. just as a way to for younger people to not get discouraged about the stuff they don't have and concentrate on what they do have and what they can do and how they can get creative with kind of limited means. Yeah. Um, because, again, even with means, we are constantly thinking of ways to uh, limit the number of people we have um, on set and thinking of ways how we can do more because we love, you know, again, like learning and experiencing stuff ourselves. It's a valid point because oftentimes when you have that big team around you, then you there's a certain system and there's a certain formula that you have to follow for that big team and it just slows things down, which uh, can get fucking frustrating. I've been there where it's just like, oh, I have to talk to two union guys to go out and get that generator going again. All right, this will take 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. And, you know, I think it's fascinating to hear you guys dealing with that with the Metallica video um, because this was stuff that I had to deal with doing music videos for years where, you know, the budgets just don't fall into that range. And I'm sure you guys had a budget with Metallica, but I've done stuff for, for uh, like Kill Switch Engage, acts that are not Metallica level, but close. And the budget's still pretty restrictive. And you're like, okay, am I going to try to play like I'm quote unquote making a music video by hiring all this crew and having all these people around? Am I, am I putting on a show by doing this? Or are we just going to get together and have a good time? And every time that we did a music video, it was that. It was like, come hang out with us. We're going to have some great fucking food. We're going to shoot something that's a lot of fun. Um, right. And I think a lot of our stuff ended up angling its way more towards performance videos for that specific reason. Because then it's just about the musicians, it's about the instruments, it's about getting enough coverage for a great performance and shooting it so that it looks really uh, fantastic. But you're not really dealing with like actors and extras and location scouting and all this other stuff. I really found that later in the career for me, I like just getting a studio or getting a space and then just concentrating on the music and concentrating on the acts because it cut out all that external stress that there isn't a budget for anymore. So that you're, you know, like having to scour and find five or six different locations and convince these locations that, yes, I know it's Metallica, but I only have this much money. It's a, it's a difficult thing, you know, the production aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't have done the Metallica videos had we not gotten like, you know, four or five, right? Yeah. Like one wouldn't cut. Yep. And you did the math, well, like it was like minimum four. You know, to make this. Yeah, know. we 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 did one we did one music video that was like on budget and simple. It was a, it was a performance video, and <clears throat> we hired I think I can't remember what it was like four or five DPs uh, that were shooting it. We were just directing, and I mean I think also to our credit that it was the first time that we had done a music video and we really like over prepared, but in a good way mm -hmm. um you know at the end of the shoot uh the guys came up to us and said this is the most professional set we've ever been on um that's great and thanked us um so we were like wow okay that's awesome we didn't know we were going to be doing any others 
But they asked us to do, they said, basically, you know, we've got other directors doing other videos, but as far as we're concerned, like, if you want to do any more, we're happy to do as many as you guys would like with mm, us. Nice. So we were like, oh, my God. I mean, that's an incredible compliment. So, um, you know, we started talking about doing one and then another. Um, and when we pitched the ideas, our ideas became a lot larger. And we realized, as Jesper was saying, that if we wanted to make these ideas as large as kind of we were pitching, we would need to monetarily, we would need to be doing more than one music video. Uh, we'd need to kind of do it two in order to make, you know, two or three in order to make the budgets kind of consistent or even throughout, you know, take yeah. uh, more from one and give it to the other. And you know what I mean? The kind of juggle. juggle right. Like budget. figure out the assets that work for everything. Yeah. No, no, that's a big thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and, and also for us selfishly, we wanted to kind of make it a little bit bigger, even though the budgets were the same for each video, because we also, again, like wanted to challenge ourselves and say, you know, can we shoot a little movie mm -hmm. with the same budget as shooting, um, you know, a performance piece? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting game of balance when, it, when you're dealing with the budgets for stuff. And I've had other really great music video directors on, on the show, like uh, Rage, like Dale Restanini, who's done like every... Uh, heavy metal act. I think he prides himself on. He's gonna. He's gonna be pissed because I'm gonna misquote him. But I think he prides himself on doing over 1,500 music videos. Like the guy's done so much oh stuff. And for for a while, I think that was part of his business strategy, where he would book two or three music videos in a weekend, and then just sort of spread. A day. Yeah, and then just sort of spread the wealth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it just sort of spread the wealth throughout it to be able to make it work because it's 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 difficult. I think. At least when I've had people come and approach us about music videos, approach me about music videos, it's always, they always come up with some random fucking number. So it's just like, hey, this is how much we have. You know, we have, you know, $15,000. And I'm like, how'd you come up with that number? <laughs> like, where, mm -hmm. does, where does that come from? And so then what you're always doing is you're backwards uh, concepting to try to fit into whatever that budget is. Um, but then you're also having to deal and inspire an artist who is like I've got these lofty ideas and lofty visions for this stuff and that artist more often than not at least in the traditional sense wasn't directly related to the budget because that the label was taking over it and I think the stuff that we're seeing now is that uh, a lot of artists understand the power of music videos as far as tours are concerned and promotions are concerned and so they're more directly involved and then there's a lot of artists that are directly financing these things themselves and it isn't coming from a record label so it's it's a weird new world, I think, with music videos, and it isn't the traditional sort of '90s formula that at least I always wanted to be a part of when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and oh yeah, well, I mean, the thing that we learned also when we were when we when we were doing the videos with Metallica, I mean, I think, I think Lars told us that uh, the the way that most people hear new music is through YouTube. Yeah. So you know, in order to have them listen to that song you kind of have to give them a video um so in a certain sense it's yeah it's the biggest like marketing budget because obviously it doesn't cost you anything to market a song on you know spotify or itunes or whatever um so you're going to spend that money on the video um but it's also going to be your biggest return mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if it's successful enough you're also making money from those videos right on youtube right 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 um so, you know, I think, again, and you're right, I think artists who are savvy, who are with it, also who have the capital, um, are investing in their own 
work and they're not they're not looking for the record companies to do it because you know they're not going to give them those budgets that um that are going to make it really worthwhile i mean i mean look at the weekend i mean all his stuff that has come out over the past few years is i think essentially coming from his department from his group and uh yeah. the stuff is fantastic it's like very cutting edge and then there's the rumors about the Super Bowl performance where he supposedly put his own money back into the performance uh, to make it as big as it was. Um, but- yeah, I mean, I think that's a... I mean, I, I watched that performance and uh, I, I don't know how you can spend $7 million. Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. Like, like the numbers feel inflated, yeah. It's totally. I think it's a big write-off. It's a big tax write-off. And yeah. God bless him. Fuck, do it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then you look at it and you go... Well, how, like, is he? No one's buying CDs anymore. So, is it is that on fucking sales? And then you do you actually look at the profits that he makes on his tours? And you go, oh, there it is. This dude made so much on his Starboy tour, and so that makes sense. And that was based upon his music videos. I feel like his vid- music videos really sort of took him out of a specific subgenre and put him into pop culture. And you know, his work with Daft Punk and all that sort of stuff. So. Um, music videos are still incredibly strong and powerful towards artists. And I always talk to artists whenever they approach me. I'm like, do you have money? Do you have capital? Can you finance this yourself? Because it would be even better. Can you throw some capital into this video? Because we should make this into something completely different than what the label expects. Um, it's 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 a difficult, it's a, it's a weird sort of industry right now to navigate as far as that stuff's concerned, you know? It is weird. I mean, uh, you know, we've had so many conversations about <clears throat> the music industry because I think it's it's um, it's it's a very sexy, obviously, industry, and it's one that I think we all have like some kind of strange attachment to because of you know growing up on MTV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, there was this whole thing about like, oh, well, there's no more you know money in music, which apparently is like, you know, totally untrue. There's money for the record c- companies. Um, you know, like the artists, yeah, they're getting, they're getting screwed pretty badly. Um, unless they're like huge, you know, huge selling artists are getting screwed pretty badly. Uh, and they're only really making their money on tours. Yep. Um, and on merch, if they're lucky, if they didn't sign that away. Um, but the record companies are making money. They don't have to print CDs anymore. So, you know, think of that. I mean, that is pure profit that used to be an expense and now it isn't. That's true. They're still making their same markup. So, you know, it's, it's, and it's probably like many other industries, but it's, it's a savvy, you know, it's like, you'll make as much money as you will being as savvy as you can be, I guess. You know what I mean? In terms of like how you negotiate your contracts and all that. But anyway, it's, that's like a whole other. Yeah. 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 I mean, we can totally get on that rabbit hole. And I, I think I only touch upon it being that, you know, some folks may be tuning in because they've seen your Metallica videos and they've seen that stuff and, I think you should just understand when you're a young music video director and you're just like, sure, I'll do anything for you guys for free. It's like, well, maybe you should examine your worth and you're probably worth more than what they're paying you. So (laughs) be careful. Uh, Yeah. And you know what? The the, the free thing is, uh, you know, we have a couple of um, we've never done anything for free for people, but we that that Beyonce shoot, um, there were a couple of interesting things that happened. Um, before we were well actually when we after we found out that we were booked for that shoot we found out how many photographers offered to do it for free jesus and it was crazy and it were big big names 
huge. Like at, at the level that we were like, you know, we were not at at that point by any means. These are guys that are still huge now. And they were like, just they wanted the opportunity. So they didn't care. So they would finance, you know, this shoe, which was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Jesus. Um, they were willing to finance it. Um, and then at the tail end of it, after we had done the shoot, um, everyone was incredibly happy, which we were super thankful for. Because, again, for us, it was the first time we had done something like this. And they were doing a promotion for the tour, uh, which was to follow this album thing that, that we shot for. Um, and they needed still photographers for this tour, for, for this uh, a tour promotion. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have a budget. Like they had a tiny budget. And so they said, hey, um, they, they approached the, the agent that we were working with. And she wasn't officially our agent yet, but she had gotten us basically through the door. Uh, she was the one that sent our portfolio over to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, we don't obviously like we, you know, we, we just paid them a lot of money for the shoot. And we had a great experience, but we'd like for them or Beyonce would like for them to come and shoot this kind of like more behind the scenes stuff for this stills for this video promotion. Um, but, you know, we have X amount of money. Can you just send one of them? <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> you know? Right. And we were like, no. You know, like that's ridiculous. So we didn't do it. Um, and maybe to our detriment because maybe we'd still be working with her if we did. But, you know, even at that point, we were like, we're not, you know, we're not going to do it because of whoever it is. We're not going to like work for nothing or for very little for what is not our worth. Yeah, um, it doesn't make any sense because once you start doing that, nobody is going to be then giving you what you are worth. Exactly, you're devaluing yourself even before you get started in the game. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. It, I could do a whole other podcast on that, um, but let me wrap up this one. You guys have been fantastic, and uh, I like I said, the stories are fantastic. The origin stories for you guys is really great, um, and uh, I appreciate you sharing as much as you guys have on the show. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, fellas. Um, I Usually at this point in the show, I ask for some inspirational stuff. You guys have given so much. Um, let's see. What would I ask you guys? I would say... There must have been a moment, right? There must have been a moment where you guys realized that doing a magazine was the right thing to do. Right. Like you guys realize that, like, how did you, how were you aware that this, like, I, I think at the end of the day, you have to be open and receptive to these ideas as they sort of come in. And I think that's the hardest thing in the world to do is just to be able to recognize a fucking solid idea. Um, how, how, do you remember the moment that you guys were like, fuck, this magazine thing might actually make it for us? And was it something that, just sort of came organically to you guys or was it was it uh like did you see a magazine published and you were like man we should just fucking do our own the goddamn thing like how like what was that moment uh i would say for me and maybe this is a this is a good way to bring it back around i think we actually really fell in love with the process <laughs> um flying to la to shoot a celebrity was very exciting um, you know, renting a big house and staying in it with, you know, uh, each other and our friends who were working with us and getting up in the morning and doing a cool shoot and then, you know, going out 
to dinner and having great sushi and then doing the same thing the next day and then flying back and doing selects and then, you know, getting uh, proofs from the printer in Hong Kong and then seeing it on the store shelves. The whole process was incredibly exhilarating. Um, and I think for me, um, it was like the most fun that that you could have or that we could have, um, you know, while quote unquote working. You know, it, doesn't, it certainly did not feel like work. It felt like we were living out um, exactly what we wanted to be doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously I agree with all that. <laughs> um, but also like there is the aspect like, had we not done this, you know, I definitely personally would have felt, you know, I wouldn't have been the person I am today because I would have been so upset that all these great ideas would just be stuck on a shelf somewhere, right? Mm. Uh, they needed to get out there and they needed to be seen by the right people. So I'm, you know, humongously thankful for, for, for that opportunity. So there it is, today's episode. Uh, it's been a while, like I said, since we did a photography episode. And honestly, genuinely, I don't know if you heard it in the show, but there were a couple moments in there where I remembered why I loved photography. And I kind of miss it a little bit. I really do. Maybe that means I should start shooting stuff again? I don't know. Maybe I should get the balls to shoot stuff again? I don't know, maybe. I kind of miss a lot of it. And it isn't... It isn't necessarily the, the work I miss. I think it's just, I think it's the process of it, you know? Like going and doing stuff, and hanging out with people. And you know what? I think I've been finding that same element with the show, that human connection. I think that I replaced what I was doing with my photographs with this podcast. Huh, weird to say that out loud. But it makes sense. I'm happy that you guys are all a part of it, you know? and uh, able to go along for this ride with me. But I hope that if you're listening to this show as a young photographer, you're not discouraged. I hope that you're inspired by it. And I think that the thing to remember is that your break is gonna come from nowhere. It's just gonna come out of nowhere. And all you can do is try to be as prepared as you can and try to be as aware of opportunity as you can and try to crack it. And just, I think the one thing that you can count on is that there isn't a formula that getting an agent or a rep isn't going to make your career. You can count on that. You know, it really is going to be about your work and about whether or not you're shooting people that people want to look at. Because I, I really wanted to point that out to those guys as they were talking about their origins and how they were coming up. And even just getting their magazine distributed. You know it fucking helped to have Beyonce in that magazine. They said that it helped uh, to get other people in that magazine. So that Beyonce job really sort of turned their whole career. 
And then that's why I asked them, what was the image that Beyonce had on her screensaver? Because that image changed it, right? So it's fascinating. It's fascinating to sort of see the steps that it took, <laughs> basically the steps that, that they fell down <laughs> to get to the point where they are. It's like they fell down the stairs and then went, oh, we gotta, we gotta do a magazine. You know what I mean? It's fascinating. It's cool shit. That's what I like about this stuff. And that's what I try to do on this show. This isn't about being sexy. This isn't like, well, you know, when I was born, I had the ability to see sound as colors and then, you know, changed my life. You know what I mean? Come on. It's the accidental choices that we make. It's the decisions and the repercussions of those, those decisions and then pivoting based upon those repercussions that make the career. And the sad part is, is that it takes a long time. It just does. It takes a while. So you got to stick with it. Stay with it. If you believe in it, suffer through it, you know, and have fun suffering through it. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to leave you guys with a long rant. That's today's episode. Thank you for listening. And as always, please follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy. Let me know what you think about the show. We will be posting uh, some of these guys' photographs on the actual website in love with the process on the uh, page for this episode. So if you want to go look at their work, definitely do so. We will link their Instagram account uh, below, which is also really great. Show some support, show some love. If you go on over there and comment on one of their pictures, let them know that you liked listening to them on the show. Just leave a comment under their thing and show a little respect for the show. Give us a rating on today's episode. What did you think about today's episode? Go on Apple Podcasts, go on Spotify, scroll to the bottom of our show page and leave a review for today's episode. What'd you guys think? Give us a star review. Two stars, three stars? My four stars on this one? I think I'm four. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>